Between Two Friends with Brett Trembley is a podcast for entrepreneurs about current issues, topics, advice pertaining to their industry, and more times than not, life in general. In this episode, our guest is Jordan Barrocas. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Between Two Friends. Today, I have a semi-famous um, guest with me. Jordan Barrocas has started a, a brand called Three Jerks Jerky, grew it like crazy, was on Shark Tank. And um, then there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that developed that maybe we could talk about some of it, maybe we can't. So Jordan, uh, you know, the serial entrepreneur, welcome, man. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. What season and episode, if you remember, were you on in Shark Tank? Season eight, episode five. Okay. There's a small chance it was season five, episode eight, and I'm just being (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all right so so and it was for a, it was for a brand called three jerks, jerks. jerks yeah three jerks jerky yeah so tell us tell us about the company yeah. and then how you ended up on shark tank the whole thing so i started this beef jerky company i was just uh like messing around in my kitchen i love to cook i cook a lot um and started making beef jerky and a buddy kind of had an idea that like he saw some premium beef jerky products starting like craft beef jerky out of Brooklyn and it was kind of all garbage. So I was like, yeah, I think I could make better jerky. Um, and I had the idea to make it out of filet mignon, uh, which is like kind of wacky. Uh, and I went for it and it was really good. Next thing you know, we're like refining, making jerky every night after work, turned my apartment into like a meat processing plant. <laughs> and I was very happy. Uh, and a couple months afterwards, I just went for it, quit my job and started a Kickstarter and we just hit the ground running and like came out of the gate super strong. It was really successful. And uh, like next thing you know, we're like you know, selling beef jerky and going door to door with backpacks. Um, and uh, the brand took off. It was super cool. And how, how old were you at the time? I was in my late 20s. You said you quit your job, right? But yeah. was it because you, you were at the break even point because you were making enough just to pay your rent? So, like- no, like I was working in the shoe industry. I, I was running a business for, for a guy and it was just wasn't it wasn't panning out the way I had hoped. So I was like eager to leave and do something else. I basically had cash reserves enough to like launch the jerky business because it was super grassroots. And um, so I quit what I was doing launched the jerky business and then on the back burner started doing other stuff in the shoe industry to kind of offset cash okay so, yeah just pure hustle i mean I, i'm i mean you're pouring everything back in into marketing yeah. and, and trying and trying to to cut deals and whatnot so that it sounds it sounds like you know just the true grind um and it was so- a it was a yeah i mean it was it was a proper like old school hustle like yeah I'll tell you the story on our first like retail sale because it was it was funny. We took a trip to New York City to just go door to door to stores, um, trying to see who would carry our, our beef jerky. And this was before we were kind of running through any kind of commercial production. And you know, we, we have a little printout with our uh, our sales sheet and samples, and we're just knocking on every door. And my business partner at the time was like, "Hey, you should check out this spot. It's called Italy. It's like the most awesome food store on the planet. We're not sure it will be right for you guys, but um, let's go look. So we walk in and we're like, this would be so cool. It's like the best store ever. So we tried to find who would be in charge of like meat 
and like everyone just kept saying no like no one we're not bringing jerky into this store no way <laughs> we wouldn't take no for an answer we're like well but do you make that decision and uh everyone's like well no but i just can't i don't see it. i was like well who makes that decision can we talk to that person so finally we got to the manager of like the meat and cheese counter and uh we're like hey you know we got this thing it's filet mignon beef jerky it's really good and he's like what let me try that so we give him samples he was like all right i'll get back to you uh the next day we're in brooklyn like wandering the streets seeing who might want some beef jerky and i get a phone call and it's the guy from the meat counter at Italy. And he's like, all right, so everyone loves it. And uh, we want to bring it into the store and we'll take three cases. And I said, okay, how many bags of jerky in a case? <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, that's how we kind of launched. Wow. I, I love that. You know, for people like, why I don't know anyone in the industry, like you just started banging on doors. And that's I respect it. that so much because yeah. you didn't know how to make the jerky. You didn't know you how many. You how almost many. have to know to be like an entrepreneur, right? Like not necessarily like a business owner, but to be an entrepreneur, like you need to have that. If I knew anything about making beef jerky and anything about the food industry, there's not a chance I would have started that company. There's not a chance I would have made beef jerky out of filet mignon. Right. Like, no way. You know, <laughs> I needed to know nothing. I needed to be like completely naive um, because, you know, the more experience you get, I think in certain things, um, the more gun shy everyone becomes. How did you go from making it in your apartment to, like you said, like the commercial? Because that that that's a huge step. Or did we you... needed to find right. We needed to find a a co a co packer, which is in the food industry a manufacturer. They're called co packers. Um, originally, I thought we'd make it all ourselves until I learned that there's like USDA requirements and yeah, right. Yeah, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of crap. Um, yeah. So that went out the door. We're like, all right, so we got to find someone to make it for us. And we were living in Southern California at the time. So like we had no idea how to find a manufacturer. So we found a list of USDA facilities, sorted it for beef jerky, and then just started calling every single one that was within a distance that we could drive to. You know, we started calling every single one and everyone told us to take a hike that we're crazy, that they're not making beef jerky out of filet mignon. And the one that said, oh, okay, if you pay me, I'll do it for you. It's the one we went with. Okay. And um, that started our relationship with our manufacturer, right? They uh, they were the first ones who would take her call and not hang up. Okay, so then tell us about the uh, the Shark Tank experience. How did you get on? You know what happened? So I did. Um, I'm from Miami. I did business school um, at University of Miami, and I just got an email saying, "Hey, we have a, a Shark Tank audition." And I remember I told my business partner, "Look, there's the Shark Tank thing. I'm like super busy today. Like, do you think I should go?" And he was like, "Yeah, why don't you just go?" So I went and like read the kind of the requirements on the car ride there and like figured out a little pitch in my head. It was like I did zero preparation. Right. And, um, I get in and I, I do my pitch. And one of the like they're cat right, they're casting people, right? So one of the casting directors was like, wait a second, I've seen that in LA. And I was like, okay, yeah. And then I got a call back. And then from there it was like a handful of months of pretty rigorous casting. So that whole process was about six months and we kind of just took an approach of like we know this is a tv show so we got to make ourselves interesting we have to make the story interesting right. not it's not just about the business it's about you know, what's going to make good tv um and then we got there um and the filming i mean filming is interesting because they say you know out of everything they film you know 30 30 to 40 percent is what makes it on air so just because you're there just because you film doesn't mean you're going to get on tv right um, we we came out there and 
uh, all but one of them were kind of negotiating with us and kind of in the deal. What were yeah. you guys asking for? It was reasonable. I think it was like 50 grand for 20% or something, something like that. So we ended up like negotiating everyone down to our ask, which was pretty unique. Um, and we, we kind of had to pick them to decide which shark we wanted to go with. Um, they were all on the table except Mark Cuban. He was the, the one that, that said, I'm not interested. Um, he did say he was going to be a customer, that he liked the product, but wasn't, wasn't into the business. Yeah. And we ended up going with Damon John. Um, it was kind of one of those gut things. Like we didn't go in there knowing who we would want to go with. Um, Mark Cuban behind the camera kept pointing to Damon John. They're like, pick him, pick him. So oh, wow. we kind of like followed that a little bit and just had a good gut feeling about him. Because like you said, so much is filmed and so little makes it, you know, on, on, yeah. on the actual show. But is it, is it really like that when it comes down to making a decision? Cause the show makes it seem like you've got almost no time, you yeah. know, make the call is it is it yeah. truly like that when you so, have short answer yes short answer yes the thing is like total hot seat it was, it was the most pressure packed thing i've ever done i mean you're you're there it's one take lights shining on you you're sweating you're you're in this audience of like you know entrepreneur gods at least so you think right uh-huh. um and yeah it's like it's one take one go you fuck up you're dead there's no take a take a minute to do do math you know having to do math in my head on the spot having to negotiate having to like respond quickly you know it's things just kind of go into automatic right you just go into instincts and and that's what it was like yeah that's crazy makes a lot of sense though i mean the pressure like things happen so fast the 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 more the pressure right in your brain it it was cool though because that to to that extent it was like one of the coolest things i've ever done to be in that moment and to you know, have to perform. I, I think we did pretty well. And everyone goes back and watches the episode. So what happens behind? Because that's what we see on camera, right? But then you're not signing, you know, the agreement right there. Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing like you signed then is to say whatever happened on TV doesn't count. Right. And they say it's a TV show. Nothing's binding. Nothing's real. You may or may not even air. You may or may not go through with this deal. Basically, what you just did was film a TV show. Yeah. Um, which is a little, you know, they, they prep you for that. They make it clear. Like, you know, you go into that knowing it, but it is a little bit of a shock. So Damon John, um, I linked up with him a couple weeks after filming, he was in Miami and we got together and like started talking business. And I, you know, I asked him some points on the deal to, and he's like, well, all right, let me stop you right there. Like, we're not doing that deal. So, uh, okay. Cause I don't want equity in your business. I'm not giving you cash. Mm. Um, I'm not giving anybody cash. I've never made money if I give cash. Um, so we're going to do a royalty. Okay. A royalty. Got it. I was like, yeah. Okay. That's a little bit different. Um, so he kind of said, this is the way I do things. So, uh, we ended up doing a royalty deal and you know, the, the, the deal was that he's got a, a big sales organization. They can help kind of build out our distribution network and they get paid a commission for it. I mean, I thought that was pretty pretty straightforward. I got to keep all the equity. And um, if they, if they did anything for us, they got paid. I was fine. You know, was right. fine. Um, and then we air on Shark Tank and just explode, right? Okay. We did a million dollars of beef jerky sales in a day and a half. I mean, it was like record breaking for Shark Tank. And then we had some issues scaling, right? We couldn't keep up with demand. We were late on product, pretty, pretty standard stuff. That's where like the business kind of got sideways. When you say sideways, 
um, you no longer own three jerks jerky, right? At this point, I do. You do? Okay. But we got approached to do a new deal. And the new deal was to partner um, with Damon John and a operating business that he had a relationship with, which was um, a large, very large uh, meat processing company. And the deal was going to be that they will handle the supply. They will handle pretty much the financing of the business. Um, We got to be the faces of the business. And um, that would allow us to keep growing and scale because they would they would fix our supply chain issues and improve the product, yada, 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 all that crap. Um, so I said, okay, well, what, what are the terms? And I said, well, we want to be 50-50. You and your partner are 50% and me and this other business are 50%. Um, and I said, okay. And do you have an idea of valuation? And they said, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't do it that way. Right. Like we're going to do all the work. You're not going to have to do anything. We're not, we're not going to pay for the equity. We're just going to partner and essentially put it in the sweat. So no, that doesn't sound really, you know, normal. Yeah. Um, and, and then it was, well, you don't know what you're doing. You're young. You're still in your twenties. You've never seen this before. If you want to grow, you got to trust me. We got a call saying Shark Tank wants to film a second segment. One of these update segments saying, you know, here's what, here's what you're doing today. But in order for them to do that, we got to get at least a term sheet signed and, you know, a deal inked out. And by the way, this has to happen in, in a week. We ended up doing this deal, which we thought was going to be the greatest thing to keep keep us growing at the same rate. And it just crushed, crushed the business. The, the partnership wasn't right. It was structured poorly. Um, we made no money from that point on. The business ran out of loss. We kind of we got nothing out of it. We stopped growing. And... Um, it just didn't pan out. It was a bad deal we did. Tremendous learning lesson. Um, so we, we tried to make it work for almost two years. And at that point, you know, I said, look, this doesn't make sense. I got I got to pursue other opportunities. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it, but it's just not panning out. I and my partner owned Three Jerks Jerky and all the Three Jerks IP, right? And then this operating business and Damon John created an entity, um, a partnership. So there's two partnerships that, joined in a, a JV, another partnership. We contributed IP. So the, the, the new partnership owned the IP. Um, when, when I left, we converted our equity in the partnership into a royalty. Um, so that's the way we kind of structured the exit uh, for like ongoing cash flow. Um, and then that partnership dissolved and folded into the operating business. Okay. So, um, you know, but the growth stopped and um, what could have been like a massive business kind of just turned into something small and whatever. Yeah. So, so, so where, where is three jerks jerky still sold now? Well, you know, what... I have no clue. Okay. I'm like, I, I moved on completely. Right. Like I, aside from the royalty check that arrives late, um, supposed to be every month, I get it like every three months uh, besides the royalty check. I right. There. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so listen, I really appreciate your, your candor today and being, yeah. open, and being open with us yeah. um, because you know, there, there's what you see on TV, then there's the reality. Yeah. In those early stages, things are happening so quick. And it's like, without the experience to know, like, hold on a second, if we slow down, we'll be okay. Like just because they say this is going to happen, doesn't mean it will. I'm okay to say, like, it's okay to say no to things. Like I didn't, to me, I didn't think I could say no to a thing. And I had this attorney being like, hey, I see a lot of red flags in this structure. It looks like everyone's getting paid but you. And I'm like, yeah, but if 
if I say no, we're going to die, right? Like my whole world will end if I don't do this. Um, and that's just not having the experience. So just it's a necessary experience. It sucks. Like I wish that business panned out and I'm, I have a high degree of certainty if I didn't do that deal and I had just ran it myself and built the business with me, my partner and, um, did it our way. Like it would be much more successful. Um, but you know, you got to go through those moments to have that confidence. Yeah. There's really no experience. Uh, I should say there's no substitute for experience because it's like, I think we all say if we only knew then what we know now, but you you can't know it even with great advice unless you go through it yourself. So it's unfortunate that it turns good, out that way sometimes good decisions come from experience and experience comes from bad decisions. bad decisions exactly but this is important i think for people to hear because you're going to make mistakes right you're going to fail or at least fall and and people allow others to overreact to their failures and, and i'll tell you even small failures some people jump on and capitalize or right. on the pressure on the timing and you got to move you got to move and it's okay to take a step back and say I, I, I need more time. I need to evaluate this, yeah. you know, even though making quick decisions help helps, right? Every, every mistake. I, I mean, generalizing, but like most of the mistakes I can think of, I made where I'm like, shit, I shouldn't have done that yeah. or because I rushed and stuff. And like, I felt like I needed to make decisions too quickly and just didn't have the patience to like slow down. Look, I, you know, not everything's sunshine and roses. I, I don't, I don't yeah. do this podcast to end on like a, Hey, and this is, this turned out so great. This is a real life story and a learning lesson. Um, you mentioned the shoe business. So you're, yeah. you're back in, in, in a back in, back in the shoe business. And I never was really out of it. I okay. grew up in the shoe business. I mean, I was born in a shoe factory. There's an industry saying, um, you know, I was born in a shoe box. So I, I grew up in a shoemaking family. I'm third generation shoemaker. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've been around it my whole life and back in it now. Um, we make shoes for, uh, Walmart primarily. Um, so we do a lot of volume, uh, private label footwear for them. Um, we're, we're expanding now, um, trying to, to put a deal together with target. Um, it's not complete. Um, but I'm hopeful that that, that, that will happen and, and looking to launch, um, you know, some, some direct to consumer branded stuff. So doing, doing different things in the shoe industry, you know, we've done pretty well there. So, I think a lot of the learning lessons, right, from the jerky business, the big picture macro level entrepreneurial lessons, like totally apply to what I do today. And I think a lot of the success is because of that. I mean, you, you that that experience is is invaluable to yep. you as a business person. So, what what would what would sort of you say, if general entrepreneurial advice um, to the twenty eight year old who is gung ho about something, or to anyone who's who wants to be on a Shark Tank type show or situation? At the show. So the first thing I'd say is like, be realistic. It's a television show. Um, personality is critical and do your homework. Like for us, I watched every single episode of Shark Tank prior to us, every single one. I knew how the show worked. I knew what type of questions they asked. Um, and I knew my business. I mean, if you're running your, your own company, you're going to know your business. Like You should. Otherwise, like, what are you doing? But the key thing is just being prepared. It's like anything else, you know, the more prepared you are, just yeah. kind of the, the more natural things can be. You, know, you had to have a good story, had to had to make it fun, had to make it entertaining. And then also just you know, have enough of a business acumen to be realistic. Right. Right. So you got you got to be fun, entertaining, be attractive as a business owner, right? You yeah. 
too over the top, somebody that, that yep. they're going to trust and want to work with so, yep. that, so that you make it on air and potentially get a yep. deal. I can't thank you enough, my friend, for, for yeah, of course. putting up and sharing with us. Yeah. And best of luck on, yeah. I know you'll, you'll continue to, to kill cool. it with your, your current business and, and new deals in the future. Cool. Thanks, Brett. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.